0: Welcome back to another episode of Nothing But Net, presented by Deep Dive Sports. Um, It has been a little while since we've recorded a Nothing But Net episode, and there is a lot that's happened, of course, in the offseason so far for the NBA. Um, So we just wanted to hop on, share a little bit of our thoughts um, on the things that have happened so far, Uh, like free agency is a big one. Um, And today we're going to talk about, like I said, the Cavs free agency specifically, we're going to dive kind of deep into um as that's you know our our hometown team here for the two of us i got myself evan and david on the podcast today so we're going to dive into that and then we're just going to touch on you know each of us touching on one of our other favorite free agency signings across the league and then we're going to talk about the new uh, in-season tournament or the nba cup tournament that was announced recently and just give our thoughts and feedback on that so i guess we'll dive right in here um, and talk a little bit about the Cavs' free agency specifically. Um, they didn't have a first-round draft pick, so um, I guess touching into that, they only had a second-round draft pick, which was used on Amani Bates out of Eastern Michigan. Um, and then their other moves this offseason were all through free agency. So they were they signed Max Struess from uh, the Miami Heat. Um, they re-signed Karis LeVert. They signed Georges Niang from the Philadelphia 76ers. And Ty Jerome from the Golden State Warriors. So David, I'll throw it over to you. Just is there one of those signings that you really like? Um, one that you don't like, or just any general thoughts on on the free agency for the Cavs this offseason?
1: I'll start with money Bates. I was actually talking with a guy from work and um who actually went to eastern Michigan himself and he actually kind of likes the pick as because he was like the guy's very raw, he's the talent's there for him to actually be successful. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, he's definitely raw. So the second round pick for him actually wasn't too much of a waste because if he doesn't pan out, he's not technically a bust as per se because he wasn't like a first round pick. Right, right. And I'm kind of the same same kind of deal where almost anyone who's second round material is technically raw. Mm -hmm. People that can definitely pan out look at Denver
0: <laughs> right
1: <laughs> and so uh he definitely can pan out especially since what we saw from the summer League but mm-hmm. that's summer League that only can tell you so much I mean look at the bust that we had back in what 2013 <laughs> Anthony Bennett Anthony
0: Bennett <laughs> oh.
1: like he did solid in summer League mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then fell on his fell flat on his face once the actual season started, yeah. And then, in terms of the other dra- trades, it's I think are actually helpful. I think they add so much more to the team, especially depth. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong; I loved, and I'm gonna miss Chetty. But same,
0: <laughs> same here.
1: Like Nick said before, he was too hot and cold. He was hidden mm-hmm. man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that this team was not good for Chetty in that sense. I think he needs to be on San San Antonio for him to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so I think everything else was just a matter of adding depth. Yeah. And yeah, I know you already like the stuff, so I'll hand it back to you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I'll I'll touch on Amani Bates too before I hop into some of the free agent signings. I actually really agree with with you um and your friend who is the Eastern Michigan alumni. Um for those who aren't super familiar with Amani Bates, he's a very interesting story because coming you know into high school and coming out of high school he was a top rated prospect actually he was very highly rated in his class um you know he's constantly like top five in his high school recruiting class um ended up going to Memphis his first year um and from all that I can tell it was kind of he'd always been you know on his high school his AAU teams he's always has been the best player always had the ball in his hands always had a lot of control and he got to Memphis and, you know, obviously the competition was a lot better there and it, he didn't play as well and ended up, um, from what I've heard, a lot of it was kind of also like his, his dad really pushed him to transfer to try to showcase, you know, himself as more of a star. Um, and so he, he did that going over to Eastern Michigan. He, again, like you said, was, was still very raw over there. He got a lot of their shots as, you know, they're not as high of a profile school as Memphis. And he had some really good games. He had a lot of great highlights at for Michigan. Um, they weren't a great overall team um, in the college basketball, you know, landscape. But ultimately, um, you know, he got himself back on track a little bit and ended up being that that second round pick. And when I first saw the pick, and even before the draft, a lot of people were like, you know, looking at the Cavs pick, you know, who might they pick? A lot of people said Amani Bates. At at the very start of that, I was like, I don't know because you know, I'm just thinking he is not going to come into the Cavs and be a guy that's, you know, going to be the focal point or be the star, right? And that's kind of the role he's played on a lot of his teams. So I was really kind of up and down about the pick, um, but at the same time saw the potential that that you mentioned. But especially after watching, and you know, him at Summer League, um, really after his first game, his first game was a little rough, which is understandable. But after his, after that game, he really kind of, played within the flow of the offense and he was really kind of a catch and shoot guy. Didn't, didn't dribble the ball much. Didn't try to take over the game unnecessarily. So, you know, after seeing how he fit in, in that, uh, you know, instance without even having, you know, big stars on that team, like Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, those guys, he already went in and kind of proved that he can uh, be more of a role player and, and fill a role, which is what ultimately I think he will have to do. If he does want to get you know any kind of substantial minutes for the Cavs, so I was really excited to to see that, and um, obviously that ended up being very successful as the Cavs ended up winning the summer league, which I'm pretty sure this is the first time they've won the summer league since it ever came around. Um, And they were undefeated throughout the whole whole tournament. Um, And so I was super excited to see that. And I know this season I don't know how much play he'll get with the Cavs. It'll probably be a lot with the Um, Cleveland charge now as the as the G League team but he is on that two-way contract so I'm sure you know he'll go up and down um, a little bit throughout the season so but I'm excited to see what he can bring to the Cavs and I actually heard um, on a Cavs podcast that I was listening to a really good comparison for him um, and what would be a really good uh, person for him to try to look up to would be Michael Porter Jr. you know from that Nuggets team we were talking about he was another guy who was a big, highly touted recruit, you know, was kind of the guy on on some of his teams and even in college. And then he really kind of had to fill a role alongside Jokic, Jamal Murray, being more that catch and shoot guy. And obviously that was very successful for him and for their team, you know, getting them the championship this year. So if he could, you know, even get to 75, 80% of a Michael Porter Jr. type role, um, I think that would be a huge hit. Um, and I think you hit it right on the head too. where if it doesn't pan out again it's just a second round pick it was a pick in the 40s it's not like you can really call that a bust because there's so many players in that range that we might never even see touch an NBA floor so it's kind of a high high reward low risk pick which I which I think good and especially for that um area of the draft but diving in a little bit to to some of these free agents like you alluded to David um one thing I was interested in doing before free agency actually opened up is um, I made a list kind of of my, of the guys that were out there that I thought might be achievable for the Cavs to get, because they didn't have a whole lot of cap space coming into this season. So, you know, they couldn't sign like a Kyrie Irving or a Fred Van Vliet, any of those big guys. Um, but I kind of made a list of who I thought would be really good fits. And for me, um, number one on that list, which I was super excited about, was Max Struess. Um Had a great season with Miami and really provides, I think, what one of the big things we saw the Cavs were missing in their matchup against the Knicks, which was just that floor spacing, that three-point shooting. Um, You know, that's really Max Bruce's bread and butter, Um, especially in the playoffs. He had a little bit of a rough go of it in the finals, um, but especially in the playoffs, he was super efficient shooting the three. Um, You know, he was, what is it, roughly this season he was at... 35%, 35% but that that's about league average but he's also shooting a lot of threes at seven threes a game and so if you're shooting that many threes people are going to respect you which I think was part of the problem um, as much as I do like Isaac or Cora as a player nobody respected shooting so they were just leaving him open where people are going to respect um, you know Max Struce's shooting so I'm excited to see um, you know what he brings to the team interested to see if he does end up starting right away um in the the small forward position maybe he comes off the bench maybe karis Levert starts because he did play actually he was one of the only Cavs players i think who played well in that playoff series um so kind of uh transitioning right into that i think it was a great move to re-sign karis Levert as well you know they got him on um let's see it wasn't too too expensive of a contract uh two years 16 million a year um which a lot of people thought he could go up 20 million in the in the um, market this year, so I think it was great to bring him back. Where he's a great, you know, he's a player that can get us out of some jams if if Mitchell and Garland are having some problems. But at the same time, that's a contract where we're we'll still be able to trade that. You know, at a 16 million dollar number, it's not something that won't be tradable in the future. If you know Max Struess really takes that role up, or if even if Okoro improves a lot um and, and takes that role so I was excited there um Georges Niang, I was interested in I had him as number five on my list um, he's more of a guy that I like definitely in a backup role um, he's a power forward but he's more of a stretch the floor kind of guy again the Cavs really emphasize shooting with those two guys um, in free agency which I think was a good choice and I I like him in the fact that when Mobley and Allen, when one of them is on the bench, he can give a different look. You know, Cavs starting lineup, those two guys, neither of them are really shooters. But I like to have that option to where when, you know, Jared Allen goes to the bench, Mobley switches over to the five, and then Niang can be more of a stretch guy and and uh, things get a little less congested down low. So um, I like that pick, and I know um, him and Donovan Mitchell played together probably three or four seasons out in Utah and they're good friends. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's another reason to bring him in um, to keep Mitchell happy. And then the other one um, was just Ty Jerome coming from the the golden state warriors. I think bringing him in just helps to solidify that backup guard position um, with Mitchell and Garland. A lot of them are probably going to be or one of them out of the two is probably going to be on the floor most times during the game. Um, but I think we kind of saw last year, and I hope I'm wrong in this case, but I think we kind of saw a big decline in in Ricky Rubio's game a little bit last year. And so I think we could see, you know, Ty Jerome, he's still pretty young at twenty six. Um, he's a guy that, you know, really just will get you six points here, four assists, not gonna turn the ball over a lot um and can just kind of run the show a little bit um as a backup. So I'm excited to see, you know, if he fills in that role where I think Rubio kind of will take on almost more of a assistant coach type role this year, where maybe he's not playing as much, but is more that veteran presence in the locker room. Um, so that was my thoughts on on those guys. And um yeah, I just thought it, I thought it was a really good offseason for the Cavs, especially with, you know, going into the offseason, not having a lot of cap space. We didn't know what we were really going to be able to do. Um, with Max Struess, that did end up being a sign in trade with the Heat. Um, and and the Spurs getting in there of course shipping out jetty Osman and Lamar Stevens out to them so like you said David definitely gonna miss those guys they were um, fun to watch especially these last couple years as the team continued to grow but I think it was kind of necessary in terms to move this team potentially to the next level
1: yeah definitely and it's like you said we needed it mm-hmm. definitely they they it was very impressive with what they were able to do with the limited cap space that they had. And so, but yeah, it was, it was really exciting to see the Cavs actually make some moves.
0: Yeah. It was exciting to see too, because, you know, again, Max Struce wasn't one of the biggest guys like out there in free agency. Of course he wasn't like Fred Van Vliet or, or Kyrie and this wasn't the best free agency class in general, but you know, a lot of times people talk about how, you know, people don't want to come to Cleveland or, you know, Cleveland's not a big free agency destination. And it was cool to see a lot of these guys in their interviews. I know, especially with Max Struess and at George they were like, no, we wanted to come to Cleveland. We wanted to join this team. We wanted to play alongside Garland and Mobley and, and Mitchell. So that was cool to see too, that, you know, at least from what they're saying in the interviews, it wasn't kind of about the money. It was a little bit about the money, but it was also about coming to join a new you know, upstart team and trying to kind of build something here in, in Cleveland with the Cavs, which I think is going to be exciting. And I think we all hope it continues to to grow from, you know, where we saw last year. Um, and you touched a little bit on the summer league too. And um, I didn't get to watch too many of the full games of the summer league, but it was, it was pretty impressive um, that the Cavs were able to go undefeated in summer league. I, from my understanding, that's kind of rare, um, because essentially you're just putting, you're throwing together a team um, of got a lot of guys who's never played together. Um, a lot of guys, you know, in the summer league aren't really always trying to play for the team. A lot of guys are trying to play for their next job, their next contract. And the fact that the Cavs um, were able to play so well as a team, I think led to their success in the summer league. Um, and another uh, two couple guys, or three guys I wanted to mention, Shoutouts on uh, on Summer League was definitely Isaiah Mobley, um, who's actually Evan Mobley's older brother, although he got drafted the year after um, Evan Mobley got drafted. He was definitely in, in those last couple of playoff games. I think the Cavs MVP, he was kind of just uh, getting down low, posting up, making shots, of course, playing great defense, similar to his brother, um, which was awesome. Sam Merrill, who was on the Cavs D-League team, and they signed him at the end of last year. Um, he's another guy that I think will get some shot with the, with the Cavs in that he's a great shooter. He's a awesome three point shooter, really had a couple games in the summer league where he just could not miss, which was awesome to see, especially if any of that can translate to the, you know, big league Cavs team, essentially. And then, um, Porter jr. For, for the Cavs who was their undrafted free agent. Um, I think it's Craig Porter jr. I think is his first name. There's like so many Porter Juniors in the NBA now <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, Craig Porter Jr. out of out of Wichita State. Um, he kind of just looked like he was in, he kind of looked like, you know, you always see sometimes players coming into the NBA. He was like a four-year guy in college. And a lot of times they get overlooked in the draft because, you know, you want those younger guys with the raw potential. But he looked like he was a guy who just really had a good basketball IQ and a good sense. And that's another guy who, I would be excited to see if he does get some of the, you know, backup point guard, backup shooting guard type minutes this year for the Cavs. And um, yeah, it was exciting to, I, I know it's just summer league and um, it doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things, but it was, I think, really cool to see the Cavs win the summer league and to play so well as a as a team with a lot of these, you know, younger guys coming together, I thought was, was really fun to watch.
1: Yeah, and let's hope this Porter Jr. actually pans out on like the last one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kevin Porter Jr. down there in, in Houston. So mm-hmm. um Yeah, yeah. Let's hope he doesn't what he wasn't the one that threw soup. That was J.R. Smith, I think. But he did something, like, something weird. Like he like threw something.
1: Yeah. Um, he got into some kind of argument. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so let's hope there's
0: this? let's hope there's none of that. This guy definitely seems to be a bit more mature coming into the league, which is mm-hmm. which is definitely a plus. Um for yeah. Cavs, I think. Um, anyways <laughs> anyways, anyways. So yeah, I mean those are kind of my thoughts, your th- uh some of your thoughts you shared on the off season. Um another name I don't have too much to say, but just to mention that that it did happen. The Cavs had a trade um from the Jazz to get Damian Jones. Um he'll probably be a, a backup um big. He can shoot a little bit of the three, at least for for a taller guy. Um, you know, I'm not too huge on him either way you know i i think he's a good pickup just for some more depth and again he's one of those guys you never know they i'm pretty sure they just traded him for like cash considerations so that's another swing you know maybe he potentially hits maybe he ends up being your your main backup um behind like jared allen or maybe not and i don't think it's too much of a you know risk doing that either way Mm -hmm. anything else you want to touch on about the off season specifically of the Cavs before we move into a little more
1: general? No, not this present time. I think we've both covered it pretty well.
0: All right, cool. Cool. Um, then I thought it would be kind of interesting just for us to share, you know, since we dug a little deep into the Cavs off season um, would just be interesting to share a little bit of one of our, just however you want to take it as your favorite off season signing for a team that's not the Cavs. Um, so it could be, you know, a big, big name player, smaller name player, um, wherever you want to go. So I can I can hop into it, and mine is definitely more of a smaller name player, but I just think is a really good fit. Um, and for me, that was Torian Prince actually going to the Lakers um, from Minnesota. Torian Prince um, actually was on the Cavs a couple years back um, before they traded him to Minnesota. He's always just a guy who's, who's really consistent. Um, he's another guy that can do a little bit of everything. You know, he's a pretty, he's a solid defensive player, nothing too crazy. He definitely can space the floor and, and hit threes, which is nice. Um, especially this past year in Minnesota. Um, and actually his year in Cleveland, his year in Cleveland, he fought, he shot 41% from three 38% this past year in Minnesota. And I think we've seen for the Lakers, what works well for them with LeBron and Anthony Davis is surrounding them with shooting. So, um, he was a really low monetary guy that they brought in. They were able to bring him in for $4.5 million, um, which is not too much even over the minimum contract, essentially. Um, and I think he'll just be a, a good player to fit alongside LeBron. Um, he's experienced. He's you know had about seven years in the NBA. Um, Atlanta, Minnesota, Brooklyn, Cleveland. He's never been on great teams, but at the same time, he does have that level of um, experience, you know, with Minnesota these past couple of years, at least getting into the playoffs. Um, and so I'm excited to see what he does during this upcoming season with the Lakers, because I think it's kind of a similar. It could be a similar situation to to Rui Hachimura, who they did bring back, but also, you know, they brought him in and he wasn't the biggest name by any means, and then all of a sudden he just caught fire for them during the playoffs. So I think he's a guy that definitely is underrated and. Probably not as many people know too much about him because he's not, um, you know, on hasn't been on big name teams before. But I think he can be a good, good player for the Lakers. And, you know, of course, uh, at least for me, if I'm not cheering for the Cavs, I'm kind of cheering for LeBron at this point just to um, see him bolster his legacy even more. So I think getting good players around him, good shooters especially, is always something that's going to be successful. So I'm interested to see how that goes. So that was kind of my. Favorite that was almost like a, a dark horse kind of signing for me, but um, did you have one uh signing from a different team that you really liked?
1: Uh, for me, um, it's more of well, actually, I'll give my favorite first, and that's Malik Beasley going to the Milwaukee Bucks. That's just another added piece to an already really good Milwaukee team because they were really good at hey, like Nick had said. Several times in several episodes, where they took one massive superstar and then just built around him. Mm-hmm. This is another piece of that, I think, to that team. Uh, yeah. the guy scored literally almost 13 points a game. Uh, he rebounded decently well at three and about three and a half. Yeah,
0: especially for a smaller guy, you know, mm-hmm.
1: but he's able to score. Takes a little bit of pressure off of Giannis in that in that terms. Now, what I was referring to before, uh, what I meant by I'll start with my favorite <laughs> is one. Another one that I really liked was Harrison Barnes uh, mm-hmm. re-signing with Sacramento. Yeah, that's another one that I kind of wanted to focus on because it's like the guy. Yes, he's thirty-one, but he was able to score fifteen points a game last season, four and a half rebounds, and still had one and a half assists. <laughs> Excuse me. So to me that keeping that kind of leadership on that young of a team definitely helps, Mm -hmm. especially if they want to go out and actually do something next season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think what you said is the the nail on the head, too, is the leadership aspect of it. You know, um, I think a lot of people didn't know if he was going to get re-signed for the Kings because a lot of people kind of saw them trying to go after. Um, A name I heard a lot of them going after was Kyle Kuzma, um, you know, to get another scoring punch. And while I think he would have been good basketball wise, um, you're right that Harrison Barnes definitely has more of a leadership, more veteran role, more experience. He was on those Warriors teams way back in the day, you know, the the 2015 championship team. Um, He was a part of that team. And, uh, you know, I'm sure learned a lot playing playing there so i think that's awesome that they were able to keep him around and although it's not anything too splashy you know bringing in a new name um i I think it is a really good play and especially for again a smaller market team like sacramento of course they were really exciting this season so some guys might want to come just for that but a lot of guys it's not a new york it's not in la a lot of guys aren't clamoring to be there So in those cases, you kind of got to bring back the guys that play well for you. And so I I agree that that was a really good um, move by them to retain, to retain Barnes. Um, And also I really like your pick with Malik Beasley for, for the bucks, because um, like you said, especially when Chris Middleton's had his health, his health has been up and down in the past couple of years as, as, as the second guy on the bucks and Giannis does it's nice for Giannis to have a guy that can score and especially with Malik Beasley he's one of those microwave type guys I feel like that you know he can get really hot in an instant where all of a sudden you look up and he hits three threes in a row and all of a sudden he's got you know nine points in a minute and a half or something um, and I think that's something that the Bucks really lacked this season um, you know obviously we know how good Giannis is Um, and, and Chris Middleton is, is always good when healthy, but their offense can get a little bit repetitive sometimes, um, you know, with, with Giannis not being a shooter really, you know, getting more down into the paint. I think it's always helpful. Like we talked about, or like I talked about with LeBron and, and Torian Prince, always helpful to have those guys that can space the floor, um, you know, that will be able to hit shots, but then ultimately, you know, players will be afraid of him hitting a bunch of shots when he gets hot and then that'll give Giannis more space to operate. So I think that was a really good, good move for him to to bring him in. And also with him, um, he's just coming off his the half season with the Lakers. So now he kind of knows he'll probably learn some things from LeBron knows how to deal with playing under a little bit of pressure, um, which I think will lend well into playing, you know, this upcoming season with Giannis and the bucks. So I like both of those, both of those picks. I'll ask you a, uh, I'll ask you this just because um I know it's a lot of people have talked about it. Do you like the signing of um Dylan Brooks going to the
1: Rockets? <laughs> Funny enough, I <that laughs> was literally about to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> for
0: for eight eighty six million dollars over four years, about twenty one and a half million dollars a year. Um what are your thoughts
1: on that? I mean I mean, the guy's talented. The talent's there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, as we saw this past season, the guy can't shut the hell up. <laughs> so I think that he needs to first prove that he's able to uh, to lead a, a good team in the playoffs and actually win a series and be the guy that he says that he is. But like I said before, he just needs to be quiet for a second and actually <laughs> do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I have definitely um, mixed feelings on it. I, I agree with you. I think after, you know, his bat with LeBron this last year in the playoffs, um, I think a lot of people started talking about him as though he was like the worst player ever. You know, when people saying, oh, he's not going to get signed. He's, he's still a good player. He was still, I believe this year, all defensive second team. He's a he's a great defensive player. My my big problems with him are one thing that you mentioned, and that um, he he needs to know when to tone down some of the shenanigans, and he also needs to learn when is his time to shoot and when is not his time to shoot. <laughs> and I think we saw that really hurt the Grizzlies um, sometimes during the seasons. Is like this guy was sometimes shooting the ball as much as or a little bit less than John Morant and Desmond Bain. Who are a lot better players offensively than he. Is. So um, that was that's kind of my mixed thoughts on him just as a player in general. Um, in terms of the signing for the Rockets, again mixed thoughts because what a lot of people sometimes don't think about in in, in the NBA it's interesting where of course there's a um, there's a salary cap right and there's you know the luxury tax and you can't go above certain amounts but you also have a salary floor. In the NBA, where you have to use a certain percentage of your salary cap. And the Rockets, their team is pretty much full of young players, which means their contracts are not very big because they're all still on their rookie contracts. So, in a sense, this move and their Fred Van Vliet move, they almost had to spend that money in some way or another. They didn't have to spend it, you know, specifically on those guys, but they did have to spend um, I believe it's like 90% of the cap um, you have to spend in the NBA. So I think that's why the number kind of got higher than a lot of people expected. So I understand it, especially from that perspective. But then what I don't understand on the other side of it is the fact that this eight, eighty-six million $86 million is guaranteed money, um, which is kind of crazy to me to think about for a guy like Dylan Brooks over four years. Um, it's guaranteed. So, you know, if he ends up continuing to to spat off and I don't know, gets suspensions and well, maybe not suspensions cause I don't know if that affects your money. But anyways, if essentially he gets to a point where he's not helping the the rockets um, you know, he's not playing a big role for them. They still owe him that money unless they trade him to another team. And that's over four years. Um, and he's not the youngest guy. He's, he's going to be 28 going into this upcoming season. So, I understand spending the money because you have to, but at the same time, if it was me and I did want to sign Dylan Brooks, I definitely wouldn't have given him all that guaranteed money. And I probably would have gone for more of a two-year type of deal um, than something, you know, a full four years. So it, again, it's kind of okay for, I think it's better for the Rockets than it would have been for some other teams. Like, you know, if it was a team that had to go into the luxury tax Or, you know, a team that was trying to contend and ended up spending all this money. I think that's a really bad move. I think for the Rockets, it's just like a kind of a probably definitely probably overpaid a little bit. But it could be it could end up working out okay, but it also could end up going very poorly for them.
1: Yeah, that definitely is true. Now, I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. How do you what are your thoughts on the new name for Memphis, the Memphis Guns and Roses?
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I don't have too many thoughts on it. Um, it'll be I, – I will say I think it's a good – another kind of good high-reward, low-risk move for them to actually bring in Derrick Rose um, because, of course, Chad's going to be out for those first 25 games for this season. Um, you know, they did bring in Marcus Smart, who's probably going to get a lot of those guard duties. But, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> the Guns N' Roses uh, graphic that David's showing me currently. Um, But, you know, Derek Rose can still, while he's not the same guy he was, we know, um, you know, injuries derailed his career to some extent. Um, I think he can still play and he can still put up a meaningful stat line and help a team be successful. So I will be excited to see, you know, how well he'll play for them. And even interesting to see, you know, if he does play really well, and then Jock ja comes back and maybe he's not playing as much, maybe then do they try to, to move him before the trade deadline to another team that might need, you know, if another team had a had a guy go down with injury or something, uh, if Derek Rose shows he can still play at a high level, I could see him then again getting flipped kind of to another team that may be looking for a guy like that. So it'll be interesting to see what he does and ultimately what the Grizzlies, how well they perform during that 25-game suspension for Jock. Ja for-
1: yeah, and definitely. He- so. any
0: other thoughts that you have on off-season free agency anything before we hop into our last topic of the in-season tournament
1: nope you brought up the one thing and I brought up the other thing <laughs> I when love it oh one up. thing
0: one thing I do want to mention um just as we were talking about it earlier so Lamar Stevens he was a part of that um deal over to the Spurs he did actually just recently get waived from the Spurs um he is someone that I will be interested to see where he ends up um because Obviously, you know, he's not a three-point shooter, but he's he's a guy that plays really good defense. He's a guy um, that rebounds the ball really well, and he always plays with a huge amount of energy. Um, so I'll be interested to see where he ends up. Um, I would assume he does end up somewhere, just because I think he does have, you know, that motor, high motor aspect that will always kind of be in demand to some extent. So I will be interested to see where where um, Lamar Stevens ends up and if it's maybe potentially on on one of the teams, you know, going into the playoffs, how much of a role he gets or if it's, you know, just somewhere, uh, you know, on a rebuilding team. Um, I'd definitely be more excited to see him on a on a playoff team, of course. But he's someone that I think someone could get could get a steal for going after him because he's always going to play with an extreme high amount of energy. Um, and I know that's why I loved watching him as a Cavs fan. So. I am excited to see where he ends up. But other than that, um, one the last thing I wanted to touch on, um, which I know a lot of people who have heard it kind of have mixed opinions on, um, is this new in-season tournament that's coming up this upcoming season, 23-24 season. Um, and for anyone who hasn't heard of it or aren't familiar, I'm going to recap uh, and give a little summary about how the in-season tournament will work. And then David and I will just kind of share what we think about it. So um, the way it's going to work is essentially it's going to be two stages and it's going to be kind of similar to, if anyone's familiar with, you know, um, the world cup or other international, even like the MLS cup, I believe it's called the, the mid season tournament in, in soccer. Um, it's, it works similarly to that. So all 30 teams um, there's six groups of five that have been decided Three Eastern Conference, three Western Conference that have been drawn kind of based on records from last season. Um, So that's all going to start off with group play, where essentially each of those teams are going to play each other once in that group of five. Um, So they're going to play, you know, four games against the old teams. And what, how those games are going to work is it's going to be in the month of November. Every Tuesday night and Friday night during the month of November, every NBA game is going to be one of those group play tournament nights. So all of those games count for the um, group play seating. Um, and so after we get through essentially the month of November, um, then we'll, then it will go on to the knockout rounds. So there's six groups. And so the top team in each of those six groups will advance. And then two other additional wildcard teams, so the team with the best record um, from each conference outside of those top group teams will go on to the knockout rounds. And so that'll be single elimination games. Um, It'll be quarterfinals, um, semifinals, and then championship. And a couple things that are interesting, the semifinals matchup and the championship matchup will be uh, on a neutral site in Las Vegas, um, which I think we kind of see NBA really trying to kind of push maybe for a potential expansion team there, seeing what that, what this does, um, what viewership looks like and in, uh, attendance looks like in Vegas. Um, and then the, all of the games that are a part of this in season tournament, um, also count for regular season standing. So they're all normal, still normal NBA games, um, with an exception for the championship game itself. So, Every team will play still their regular 82-game season um, unless they make it to this in-season championship, which they technically play 83 games. Um, and the winner will qualify for the new um, championship trophy, which is going to be the NBA Cup, which I don't know if they've shown what it looks like, but I have heard that it is similar to the Stanley Cup and that you can drink out of it. So, you know, who knows what we see with some shenanigans after that happens. Um, and then the the other big thing that people were interested in hearing about was just kind of the incentives. Um, and the big incentive is the team that does end up winning this in season tournament, the NBA Cup, where every player on that team will get five hundred thousand um, dollars bonus salary. So, you know, of course, for guys like LeBron, guys like um, you know Damian Lillard, with those big contracts, you know that might not mean a lot. But guys at the end of the rotation, guys making you know, 2 million minimum contracts. That's essentially a uh, 25% of their yearly uh, contract. So I think a lot of people are interested in how much players are going to be interested in bringing home that championship. Um, but I'd be interested to to hear what your thoughts are, David, just hearing about this, you know, are you excited for it? Do you think it's a good idea, bad idea? Um, just what are some of your thoughts on this new in-season tournament?
1: Honestly, um... I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea because it's not adding too much to the season. Mm -hmm. Um, So if it does, it's only one game, so it won't necessarily terribly hurt the guys that much, Um, especially since it's in November. If something does go happen, you've got till you've got literally six months uh, plus to heal up. Um, And so I think, I think that we'll have to wait and see and actually see how the tournament works, because that's kind of like the biggest downfall that I have with it. Yeah, it, it ties into the season and all that, but I'm more of the guy who needs to be able to visualize it and actually experience yeah, it to actually see if this was like, okay, this is not going to last. Or, hey, this might actually let go for a little while, because there's a very big reason why American sports or U.S. sports are very different than European and the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I agree. I agree in that um you know, it's, it's definitely kind of a wait and see moment. Um for me though, I I do think that it's kind of a no again, kind of like a no risk could be high reward situation for the league in that like you said, every one of these games except for the except for the potential championship is still just a regular season game. So in that in that circumstance it's not adding extra games except for those two teams Um, it's not you know so there's not increased injury risk really Um, the other thing is like people are wondering oh how are people going to care are people going to try for this tournament well it still counts for the regular season so it's still going to count for you know playoff standings down the line so it's going to be just as at least just as intense as a regular season game Um, and one of the big things that I, I really like that they did with this is those um, tournament nights, having those specifically on those Tuesdays and Fridays. Because um, I know in the WNBA, they have a similar in-season tournament, um, the Commissioner's Cup, um, which some people think could have been, you know, kind of a test run pilot type of deal for, for this tournament for the NBA. But one of the things that I found really confusing with that is... There was no, you never really knew which games during the WNBA season were considered for the Commissioner's Cup or which weren't. You just kind of had to look like on the WNBA app. And if it said it, okay, you know, it was one, but there weren't on consistent days. Um, You know, they were towards the beginning of the season, but not every game was one of them. So I really like that they did this Tuesday and Friday where the way it's going to work is every NBA game in November that's on a Tuesday or a Friday is a part of this tournament none of the games that are on those nights are just regular NBA games. Um, So I think that's interesting. And I find it really interesting. And I think strategic on those days that they picked being that Tuesdays and Fridays, of course, during November, you're still big into NFL season. So of course you're not beating up against, you know um, well, you're not beating against college football too much on Saturdays. You're not on Sundays with the NFL, you're not on Mondays or Thursdays. Um, so I think that was kind of strategic of them picking those Tuesdays and Fridays, too, to try to, um, you know, not try to compete too much against the NFL, especially as that's more of their uh, prime time of the of the season, whereas it's with the NBA, it's just kicking off. Um, so I think that's interesting. And I think a big thing for this in-season tournament, and, you know, it might not matter too much for the fans, but I think a big part of why the NBA is really going to push this is i think they're going to try to get some kind of a big sponsorship on this in a couple years you know it, you will probably see it become like the the starry in season tournament or the kia in season tournament something like that um where eventually potentially with that you know increase in money for sponsorship that incentive then you know that 500,000 that could turn into you know maybe a million dollars per player or 200 million per player um and then i think it You know, obviously, the more money that's at stake, the more these players are going to try. And so um, I agree with what you said, though, and that we definitely have to wait and see. Um, I think it's definitely like I don't know why you want to try it. Um, You know, I think it's something I I love that they're still trying to innovate. Um, That's one thing I do like about the NBA is they always do seem to try to innovate, try to keep things fresh. Um, It's going to be like with the with the play in tournament, though, I think when that first came into effect, there were a lot of people who didn't like that, who didn't think it was going to be, um, you know, entertaining, who didn't think, thought it was kind of going against the tradition, I guess, of the NBA. And now I think in general, a lot of people love the the play-in tournament because it creates that, um, you know, single elimination type really intense environment. And while this probably won't be as intense because it's not going directly into the playoffs, um, I think it could be something that could could also be successful. So, um I'm excited to see it. And, of course, you know, I'm excited to see the Cavs go for the NBA Triple Crown this year. They got the Summer League Championship. They can get the NBA Cup. And then they can get the NBA Finals Championship. And, you know, the first NBA Triple Crown winner ever.
1: Hey, Who knows? Maybe.
0: (laughs) But, But that's also another thing I think will be interesting with it is, you know, it may not be these teams that are trying to win the championship. They may not. The actual NBA Finals, the Nuggets, the Lakers. They may not put their all into it, but maybe some of these upcoming teams like the Thunder or the Rockets or the Kings, maybe they really say, like, we want to go out here and we want to, you know, get this NBA Cup. And so it might be interesting to see the young up and coming teams. I feel like they'll probably have more, you know, uh, urgency to try to win this. So it's kind of just a different level of seeing, you know, um, teams that are on this contending contending schedule where they kind of take it easy in the playoffs whereas these teams might kind of push a little bit harder. Some of these younger teams that, you know, want more recognition or, you know, some of those players that want that $500,000 bonus. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just interested to see how it works out. Um, And I think it's again, just like kind of a no lose situation for the NBA. Ultimately, if people really don't like it, if it doesn't do well in ratings, I don't see why they couldn't just drop it in a couple of years. But I think it's something interesting and I'm, excited to see how it does end up playing out
1: yeah we'll just have to wait and see and all that so exactly
0: exactly and the groups have been announced um just i won't go into all of them but the Cavs group for the eastern conference is the um 76ers the Cavs, the hawks the pacers and the pistons so you know i could see definitely the Cavs coming out of that group um i feel like the sixers you know it's a lot up in the air with them and james harden's trade request right now so they're definitely at least right now, the, the top uh, seed in that, in that group, but I could see the Cavs uh, making a run for it. So um, yeah, excited to see how it, how it ends up here. Um, but that's kind of all the, the topics that I had that I wanted to dive into um, again, as it's kind of been a bit, um, a lot has happened in the NBA off season, um, you know, since the last episode that we had here for nothing but net and um, you know, More will probably continue to to happen as we do know that both Damian Lillard and James Harden have trade requests out there. Neither of them have been traded yet, um, but that's something that could come down the pipeline anytime. It could be in the next couple of days, the next couple of hours. It could be not until the trade deadline next year. They could end up not getting traded at all. So (laughs) that'll be something to look out for. But is there anything else, David, you wanted to to touch on or uh, hit on before we sign off here? No. All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you everyone who is, who is listening and who has made it this far in the episode. Um, This was another episode of nothing but net presented by deep dive sports. Um, If you're seeing this through social media, uh, you can make sure to comment. You can talk about, you know, your favorite free agency signing of the off season. You can give your thoughts on the Cavaliers off season. Uh, You can give your thoughts on the in-season tournament. Um, We'd love to hear what you all have to say. Um, and we will see you next time on nothing but net. Um, and until then stay safe out there, folks.